110 years ago in 1910, a woman by the name of Sonora Dodd was sitting in church at a Mother's Day message right here in Spokane. And she had this idea that we ought to have a Father's Day. And uh, her, her own dad, William, raised Sonora and her five other siblings after her mother died. And she saw the many sacrifices that he made and looked around at many of the other dads that were making sacrifices and wanted to have Father's Day. And so Father's Day was initiated right here in Spokane. And we want to let every dad know how much we appreciate you. So, hey, if you are sitting next to a dad or next to a granddad, would you make sure and give them a high five right now and just tell them how much you love them and appreciate them? Well, good morning. And uh, we are right here on Father's Day, and we're going to talk about God as our father. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. In other words, he said, this is how you ought to talk to God, our father in heaven. Now, God wants you to think of him as a father. In the entire Old Testament, over thousands of years, God was only referred to as father seven times. So this is a pretty radical statement that Jesus is making because he referred to God as father seven times just in this chapter. And as you look at the gospels, you'll see that he referred to God as father over 150 times. And he wants us to understand that God is a father and he wants to be close to us and he wants to relate to us. And I love that because what it means is that God is a person and that he's not just an energy force or a power because you can't relate to a power, but you can relate to a father. You can actually grow in intimacy with a father. You can talk to a father and that's the good news. The bad news is that when I use the word father for some people, it brings up pain. It can bring up painful memories or stir up resentment or grief from neglect or from abuse. And it might be tempting to think, man, if God is like my earthly dad, then no gracias. Human fathers can be selfish and demanding and inconsistent. And that's why we need to see God in a light all of his own that he is a perfect heavenly father. He is the father you've always wanted. God is not like me. I mean, I'm sinful. God is perfect. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. We blow it. But the good news is God wants to teach us how to be a good father. And he is a perfect father in our lives. He wants to show us how we can make a mark and how we can leave a legacy in the life of our family. The reality is though, that we have far more power than we probably realize. And that power can be used to bring life or to bring death. It can be used to uh, make a mark or leave a scar, to leave a legacy or inflict a wound. And the good news is dad, you don't have to be perfect. Matter of fact, we are imperfect and it takes passion for God. It takes a humility and just a willingness to learn and to grow in order to grow towards being a better leader and a better father. So let's look at God. Let's look at our perfect heavenly father and see how we can better influence those around us. I want to just talk about three things that we can do, three ways, three platforms we can build influence upon. First is this, your influence comes 
from the relationship you build. That's why God is such an amazing father is because he invites each of us into a relationship. Your heavenly father is a God who is close. That means he's available all of the time. He is not busy. He is never too busy for you. He's not distant. He's not unavailable. God wants to have a relationship with you and so he invites you to come close to him. He wants you to know his heart and he, of course, knows your heart. Kids growing up with an absentee parent, it makes it very difficult to really come into a natural, intimate relationship with a heavenly father. And we live in a generation of fatherless kids. But God is not aloof and God invites us into that relationship that we can develop it and grow it and it can start today. When you pray, God doesn't say not now. He doesn't say come back later. He opens up his heart to you and he wants you to open your heart to him. So dads, every ounce of relationship building you do counts, it matters. Every time you throw a ball with your kids or every time you allow them to help you with a task, even if it takes twice as long to get it done, or whenever you sit with them at night and read to them when you are wiped out tired, or where, whenever you're in the car traveling together and you have that conversation with them or you pray with them through their problems, anything you do to build a relationship is actually building a platform of influence that you will have in the life of your kids. God loves to meet your needs because he's a close father. When I come to God with my pain, God doesn't say, get over it, deal with it. No, this is what the scripture says. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if today, if this morning, if you're hurting, if you feel brokenhearted or crushed in some way, God wants you to know he is close to you right now. In Romans chapter eight, it says, for you did not receive a spirit that made you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The word that Jesus used for father is the Aramaic word Abba. And Abba is the first word that every Middle Eastern child learns. It means daddy or papa. If you've been to Israel or any other Middle Eastern country, little Arab kids, they run around and that's what you hear all of the time. Abba, Abba, Abba. It means daddy. And it's that ultimate term of endearment, of closeness, of family, that there's no barrier between a little baby and their father. It's just Abba. And God wants us, no matter how old we get, to constantly have that relationship with him that's Abba that's Papa, that's Daddy. He wants us to know him in that tender way, in that intimate way. And he wants our kids to know us in the same way. And as a father building a relationship, it means building that relationship by opening our heart to others. It also means making sure that our words are bringing life into our family, into our spouse, into our kids. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue has power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. My words more than anything else can build up or they can tear down. 
I can bless others with positive words or I can use my words intentionally or unintentionally to destroy them. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And building the relationships means spending not only time with, with our kids and with our family, with our friends, but also it means building words into their life that build them up as the unique person God has made them to be. It means helping them envision the good future that God has for them. Building the relationship means having the compassion in the area of their faults and in their failures in the same way God has compassion for you and me. So first thing is the relationship. The second way we build influence is through the example that you set. Again, let me, let me say, you don't need to be a perfect example. God is the only perfect father. And we need to just remember that and not try and, and, and constantly degrade ourselves when we don't measure up. And guys, I mean, we're, we compare ourselves all of the time to other people. And we often end up feeling less than. And so we try and overcompensate through those insecurities, through trying to have success or build, build uh, enough wealth in order to give us value. And yet God wants us just to simply be a humble person, a person that's not perfect, but a person who is in process, who is growing, who is humble, a person who wants to know God and the power of his resurrection in our lives. Notice that those are things that are within each of our capacity to do. That kind of example, it's not just for super spiritual people, but setting an example is setting an example of an imperfect person, an imperfect man, who's going to a perfect father and receiving forgiveness, finding grace and help in our time of need, and being willing to allow others into those places. Moses said to the men of Israel as, as they were preparing to go into the promised land. And he was wanting, with all of his heart, he was wanting them to experience all the goodness God had for them in this new promised land. And so he gave this motivational speech. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11, we see, we pick up what he was telling these guys. He said, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? In other words, Moses is saying, come on guys, you don't need to be super spiritual. You don't need to be an angel. Any red-blooded ordinary Joe can do this. Don't say, I can't. God has given us everything we need for life and God, godliness. And God, by God's grace, it's doable. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 goes on to say, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. You see what he's saying here is that we each have a choice to make. That life is really a choice. And the choice that God is prompting us to make is to love the Lord your God, to listen to his voice, and then to hold fast to him. That's it. And when you make that choice, it leads to being able to set the type of example 
that others can follow, that your kids, your grandkids will see in you the passion you have for life, the passion that you have for God. And each of us can make that choice. Now, some of us, I mean, we, we come from backgrounds where it's painful, where it's dysfunctional, where there's all kinds of obstacles in our lineage, in our family. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic or super distant, or maybe, maybe there was even generational poverty or there was abuse. We all have all kinds of father wounds today. And yet the key is what will you do with it? What choice will you make? We can choose to let those things cripple us or we can allow God to weave those into a larger story of redemption that he wants to tell. We can choose God's perfect will and that changes the trajectory of our life. My grandmother, she was a really interesting woman. Uh, she liked to get married a lot. And that means you have to get divorced a lot too. She actually had seven divorces, six different husbands. My dad had it pretty rough growing up. He was an only child. He had six different stepdads along the way. And uh, he was often in, in, a, in a military school. And so, you know, dad had it pretty tough. So when he became an adult, he became a dad, he became a husband. Uh, needless to say, he had some baggage to deal with. Well, our home ended in brokenness uh, when I was 11 years old. And so, you know, my life script was kind of watching that, living that out. I ended up moving in with my dad and uh, dad as a teenager and as he and both and I uh, experimented with drugs and women and different things. And so that became kind of a part of this legacy and this lineage of broken relationships, drug addiction, just being lost in life. And yet God intervened. He stepped in and he loved me. Abba Father revealed this unconditional love in my life. He forgave me for my sins. And not only that, but he freed me from this bondage to a past that I didn't want any part of. God, our Father, has the ability, the capacity, and the desire to stabilize your life, to free you from a past, to free you from living out a repeated cycle of generational sin and problems and dysfunction. See, we have a choice to make, saying yes to God. And that's the choice. And when we do, what happens is, is we embrace the cross, we embrace Jesus and what he did there. And then he not only forgives us, but he sets us free. Jesus wants to give you the power to forgive others too. It starts by just accepting what he did on the cross, inviting him to be Abba Father in your life. And then watch what he does as he begins to show you that he can cut off every dysfunctional, crippling habit that was handed down to you maybe from generation to generation. God wants you to walk in a brand new direction with a new life script for your family and for yourself. You don't have to wait until you're married. Guys, if you're a single guy, you need to embrace this today and begin to rise up in faith and realize God has given you the authority and the spirit to break these bonds and to become the man God wants you to be. So 
your real influence comes from the relationships you develop and then the example that you set with the courage that you display. See, God wants to give you courage as a man. He wants to give you strength and courage as a father because you're going to need it. We all need it. And we can use the courage that God gives us for dumb stuff or we can use it for stuff that really matters. And let's be honest, guys. Sometimes we use it for really stupid stuff. Like the guy who went to the emergency room and he saw the ER doctor and he had this burn all the way around his neck. And so the doctor was asking him, how did you get that burn all the way around your neck? And the guy told him uh, that he had been in a car wreck and the doctor was confused. And he's like, yeah, but you have this burn all the way around your neck. How did you get that? And the guy goes, well, my wife and I got this new electric dog collar and we wondered how far the remote would actually work. And so, you know, you know the kind where the, you have the zapper and if the dog misbehaves, you kind of zap it and then it, it stops doing it supposedly. Well, I don't know if this guy was drinking or if this was just his normal daily dose of stupid, but the guy puts the collar on and he backs out of the driveway and they, he kind of made this deal with his wife that every time he honked the horn, she was then to zap him with the dog collar to see how far it would actually reach. So that's what he did. He heads down the road, gets a little ways down the street, honks the horn, wife holds the buzzer down and it zaps him good. I mean, he almost goes unconscious. He begins to honk his horn and she pushes it again. And then he swerves into traffic, but his wife couldn't see it. And so the oncoming traffic starts honking their horn. And every time she hears a horn honk, boom, she hits it again. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of courage. The kind, that, the kind that we sometimes do that we think makes us, uh, makes us cool, but God wants to give you a, a type of courage that's different, a type of courage that's not misplaced, that's not just taking risks for the sake of risks or just trying to get an adrenaline rush. Let's look at the kind of courage that God wants to give to each one of us. And I love this story in uh, Joshua chapter one. Joshua was being tapped as the new leader to lead the people into this promised land. And his, he was not only to lead his own family, but a whole nation of families. And here's what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter one. He said, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three different times, God said, be strong, be courageous. You see, courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving in spite of fear. It's moving in faith. It's taking action in spite of fear. Are you living a life of courage? Where does this kind of strength, where does this courage come from? Well, verse nine says, don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. See, courage comes from knowing God's presence is with you. 
that God, your father, is walking with you through this life. Now, courage is a big deal because everybody needs it because we live in uncertain times. Courage and faith, they go hand in hand. Can I just ask you, what's going on in your life this morning where you need courage in order to face it? Maybe it's a decision you've been procrastinating to make or it's a relationship that needs mending or a job that needs changing. Or maybe it's somebody that needs to hear the good news and you, God's laid that person on your heart, but you're, you're just not sure how they're gonna react to it. Or something God is calling you to do and you don't feel qualified. You see, we all need courage. And friends, I want you to know God is with you. He is on your side. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. No matter what new crisis hits your life, God wants you to know he is with you. Men, you have been given the power of a warrior that you can fight and win wars in the spiritual places. You can stand up to wicked forces of hell coming against you or your kids or your family or your integrity. You can stand in a place where you break down these strongholds and you can stand in the gap against these generational sins knowing God as a perfect heavenly father that he gives us the courage that we need and he gives us the power that we need to be the example for others. And so no matter what you're going through this morning, know that we all have equal access to this perfect heavenly father. And he wants you to know him as Abba. He wants you to know his unconditional love for you. He wants you to know that he wants to have a relationship with you. Will you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you, God, that you love us. And you can personalize that and just, again, just say, God, thank you for loving me. You don't just love people as a whole, you love me as an individual. And God, I wanna know you and the power of your resurrection. I wanna know you as Abba Father. So Lord, I'm opening my heart to you this morning. I want that depth of relationship. I want to be able to set that type of example and I want to have the courage I need to walk through this life. So come into my heart, Lord, forgive my sin, break down every cyclical pattern of the past that's unhealthy and dysfunctional and bring me into a new place with a new beginning, looking forward to a new future and a new story that you might write for my life. I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If today you opened up your heart to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you it's the smartest, best thing you could have ever done. And I would love for you to reach out through the chat and let one of the pastors who are hosting today know that you made that commitment to say yes to God today so that we can be praying for you as you move forward. Let's, let's worship God in this next song together.
is the one thing Think your life And I've heard The tender whispers of love In the dead of night And you tell me That you're pleased And that I'm never alone You're a good, good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. And I've seen many searching for answers.
joining us. We hope you enjoyed yourself with us today. Next week, we'll have our services again at 9 and 11 a.m., and we look forward to having you join us again.